Come on, everybody, let's give God praise. Do me a favor, look at your neighbor and say, but how are we going to get there? Do me a favor, do it better than that. Look at somebody and say, yeah, but how are we going to get there? I think I got something for us. I think, I, I think I may, the scripture may reveal an answer. It's a good question, though. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the New King James Version, the word of the Lord says this. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And although I give the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that I could remove mountains but have not love, the word says, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me, again, that word, nothing. Love, church, suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked. It thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in truth. Love, church, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. And where there are tongues, they will cease. Where there is knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, the writer says, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, when I was full grown, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as also I am known. And now abide faith, hope, love, these three. But the greatest of these is love. And the Bible says in verse 8 that love never fails. I'm going to take you back uh, to a place where I learned a very valuable lesson. And hoping and thinking perhaps for chance it will make sense for us here today as I recount that. Uh, so, so I took us on a field trip. You got that video? I took the church on a field trip uh, back to the place where I learned okay, some lessons. Northeast. I thought I'd take us on a field trip today. I'm recording from a place that meant a lot to me in my childhood. This is the infamous Douglas Park in the middle of the city of Indianapolis. And uh, this quarter in particular uh, meant a lot to me. I learned some of the greatest lessons in my life right here on this court. A lot of passion. This was a theater. This was a stage. And in the summertime, it's, it's not uh, pretty right now, but all the greenery and there would be hundreds of people in the park and uh, barbecuing and, uh, at the playground. But in particular, around this court, there'd be 60 or 70 people wanting to play. And so you couldn't lose because if you lost, uh, you'd never get another run, never get another chance. And so uh, some of the greatest lessons I learned, I learned right here competing on this court. And uh, I'd like to share some of them with you today. And one in particular uh, that I think would be maybe good for us even to adopt uh, what I learned from the passion of playing on this court. God bless. 
We all know basketball, but you ain't never played basketball till you play in the park. The park is passionate. The park requires you, tell me if you've ever heard this, if you play in the park, you got to turn it up. Here's what playing in the park means, that you got to be all in and you got to go all out. If you play in the park, you got to turn it, you got to go hard in the paint. The mantra of the park simply is this, take no prisoners and only the strong survive in the park. It's different than regular basketball. It's a place of tremendous honesty, highlighted, passioned. For me and for many others, the park was a rite of passage. Being able to play in the park allowed you to show that you not only knew and observed the game, but you acknowledged and esteemed the culture surrounding the game. You see, the park had different rules, y'all. The park was different. The park was inviting. It will give you a different kind of cultural endorsement and the accolades from your people. The park is important, and in fact, many professional basketball players come back and play in the park. The park is a beast, y'all. <laughs> yeah, but can you play in the park? Kobe Bryant won three NBA championships and came back and paid in the park because he said it was the one thing that had eluded him. He hadn't showed that he had street cred and that he could play in the park. Kevin Durant came back to play in the park because he said the park was a dream come true. How many of you ever heard of Dr. J, one of the most dynamic and successful players of our generation? He came back to play in the park, and here's a fun fact, he got beat in the park. <laughs> Somebody scored 50 points on Dr. J in the park, if you can believe it or not. The park is different, y'all. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar said that the best player he ever played against in his life never played NBA basketball. He said, I played against him in the park, y'all. A park is a place of devotedness to the game and to one another. It is, most people don't understand this, it is a stage, it is an opera. It is our opera, it is our Shakespeare. The park is a theater, it's artistry, it's our canvas. It is the birthplace and ingenuity. Y'all, we needed the park because the park was where we could play our game our way. We had an ability to take the game back. And not only were there, there was, it wasn't that there were no rules, but the rules were our rules. You see, in the park, we own the game. No more makes money off of us when we play in the park. The game in the park is intense, and it's high-placed. And if you didn't understand the park, it may even seem violent to you and offensive what they do and they play in the park. It is not violent, but the game is volatile. Unfortunately, people do get hurt in the park. Egos get hurt in the park. Dreams are lost in the park. Feelings get hurt in the park. Here's the mantra in the park. If there is no blood, then there is no foul. That's how we get down in the park. There are no technical fouls in the park, no fouling out in the park. Nobody's thrown out of the game. Now, if you're under 30, you would maybe understand this because the park isn't like this anymore, but this is where I grew up. This is where I learned all of my lessons. This is where I was fortified. There are no lights in the park. There are no cameras in the park. 
No referees in the park. You call your own fouls. No shot clocks in the park. Take as long as you want, but the game is high-paced. There's no scoreboard in the park. Keep your own score. There are no official substitutions in the park, but let me take you all back to the park. There were substitutions. You just stand on the side and you look at somebody running. You see Daryl Coley running. You say, Daryl, let me get two. And if you ask Daryl to let you get two, that meant let me come in, see if I score two. That's the way we substitute it. Just said, let me get two, man. And we come in off the side and we tell everybody. There were no sign-up sheets, just people waiting to get a run, people who declared we got next. You had to run the court in the park because if you ever lost, you couldn't get back on the court. It wasn't a game, it was a run. Win in the park or go home. Every game was like NBA game seven. It was volatile, it was intense, and in spite of that, it was a safe place. It was neutral ground. People came from different communities. But if you got to the park, you were safe. If you got to the park, that was neutral ground. There, there was nobody, no gang on the turf in the park. You were safe in the park. Different communities could come to the park and everybody let down their allegiances to where they came from. And somehow in the park, we became one. The park gave you instant feedback. If you couldn't play, the park would find you out. <laughs> Watch this church. Much of it, as it turns out, was biblical. And all of it was intentional. Here's the last mantra on the park. You do not have to play. You can sit on the side. You can barbecue. You can swim. You can go ride the miracle round. You, can, you, can, you, can, you don't have to play. But if you decide to play, there's only one way to play in the park. Help me with this, Rico. You got to be all in, and you got to go all out. That's the only way to play in the park. If you're weak and you ain't ready for that, then, then, then go, go get on the swing, because there's room on the swing for you. But if you play, you got to be all in, and you got to go all out. The park involved prophecy, it involved forecast, it involved the spirit of discernment. You had to be able to discern to play in the park. You had to be able to forgive instantaneously on the run because you were going to get fouled in the park. You had to be able to operate in the spirit of confession. When somebody scored on you and when you made a mistake, you had to confess it instantaneously right there. You had to tell everybody, my bad. That's my bad. He got me that time. My bad. You had to have accountability. Who you checking? Everybody call out your man. Who you got? You had to be have accountability in the park. Inquiry in the park. Whose man is that? Hey, check your man. There was volatility in the park. It was intense. And then there was the gang within the gang. We were allowed to call people out come down five on five and tell everybody, uh, y'all go over there, me and him, we got some business to settle. I'm just going to go one on one. Y'all go on over there, we got this. You are allowed to go one on one in the park. The corporate gang doesn't value that. 
for money and monetizing the corporate thing, it, it mostly, when the further you go up, you have to align with majority cultural values. But when you play in the park, this is the most intense I've ever played. So let me tell you why I'm telling you this. Because of the intensity of the game, it was impossible to play without being fouled. One of the inherent attributes of the game was that we all knew it was going to be physical. You had to pack your lunch to play in the park. You had to be ready because this was violent, not violent, volatile, physical. How did we do it then? How do we navigate when there was more aggression and fewer rules, right? How do we negotiate a setting where there was less governance, no referees, and more volatility? How do you survive that scenario? How did we turn it up without ruining it? Well, it's because there was an overriding and universally accepted rule. There were fewer rules, but there was one big rule. It was the governing spirit of what we were doing. It was the binding agreement. There was a mechanism that guided everybody's conduct. We all came from different neighborhoods, different circumstances, different situations, but we all ascribed to one universal principle. All of us submitted to it. It was the ruling mandate. I want to submit it to you today. It's what I learned on that court that I think would help common ground. We all agreed that it's all love. It's all love. Hey, this is all love. It's volatile. It's intense. But it's all love, y'all. And would you do me a favor this morning, common ground northeast? Would you look at your neighbor and say, it's all love? Oh, you didn't do it right. You got to say it with intensity. Would you look at somebody and say, don't worry about it, because it's all love. That's how we did it. That's how we did it. We, we agreed that it's all love. You may have heard the term, it's all good. Anybody heard that? It's all good. It's all good means that you violated me, you fouled me and I forgive you, and we can be cool again, because it's all good. It's all love is it's all good to the next power. It's all good is something that we'll agree to after an offense. It's all love is something that we can agree to before we even start. It's all love is a mandate. It's all love is an agreement. So what does it mean? It comes from Chicago. In Chicago, in the slang, they would say it's all good, but they took it to the next level out of in the inner city of Chicago. They started this term called it's all love. The Urban Dictionary says that it means it's used in an optimistic, optimistic sense to show lightheartedness or something. Amen. When something's on the line, we'll say, it's all love. Uh, it is a term used for speaking and doing things in a place of good intentions. The slang, excuse me, the slang dictionary says, 
it means that everything's fine and understood. It means we have an understanding based on mutuality. The High Native Dictionary says it means that this person is probably saying that everything that they are doing concerning you is out of love because they love you and they love your mutual objective. So y'all, this is how we negotiate in culturally on the court and in black culture intense situations. This is how we make it through if we all determine going into it that this is all love. Yo, it's cool. It's all love. Now we have to say that out front and that has to be negotiated and that has to be understood, right? Because we don't get there indiscriminately. We just don't stumble on this. We have to declare that. We have to declare that, hey, it's gonna be bumpy, it's gonna be rocky, it's gonna be tough, but we can all handle it if we all agree, yeah, it's all love. And if it's all love, then whatever happens, we can handle. Let me give you some example. It's whoever you are and whatever you bring, the pain you bring, the passion you bring, the aggression, the attacks, the elbows, the pushing, the shoving, whatever you bring, whatever categorically, as long as we agree to this, then whoever you are and whatever you bring is covered. Not only is it covered, but all of it is covered. Categorically, you're covered. Quantitatively, you're covered. Whatever you bring, I can accept all your mess as long as we're working toward the same thing. All of your insecurities, all of your weaknesses, all of your problems, all of your biases, you're on my team. If you can't dribble, if you can't shoot, it's all love. There's a place for you. I'll cover you. I got you. Can you rebound? Can you play defense? Surely you brought something. Whatever you don't have, don't worry about it. Because we all in this together. This is all love. And then lastly, there's love. And we know that all things work together for those who love God, and who are called according to his purpose. This is the principle we're exercising, that it's all good, it's all love, that all of what you bring is love. As long as we have a unified love, we all love God. And we are all called according to his purpose, that if you ascribe to that and I ascribe to that, we can get through it. Because it's all good. More importantly, it's all love, y'all. Love, the one inclusive and necessary virtue required for the destination. In the park, we all love the game. We all love the culture. And we all wanted to win. And therefore, understanding that there's 60 people on the side who want to play it. If you lose, you're never going to get to play again. You might as well go home or go swing, or go swimming. Therefore, we understand this is going to be intense. Going to be some elbows, going to be some pushing, going to be some shoving. But we can laugh about it, because we all want to do the same thing. We all trying to win. We all love it. So it's all love, y'all. But not if we don't establish it. If we don't establish it, then that's a violation. If we don't establish it, then that's a fight. But if we establish this, then we'll laugh about it because it's all love. And in our text today, we're reminded 
of the power and the necessity of love. The writer wrote, and, and it's all love takes the guts out of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It says, love suffers long and is kind. Here's what we were doing on the court. There was no preacher. There was no offering. There was no praise team. But, but, but we understood 1 Corinthians. Love suffers long. You can follow me. It's all good. Love does not envy. I don't care who hits the game-winning shot. I just want to stay on the court. Love does not parade itself. It's not puffed up. Does not behave rudely. There's rules to this. I know to the world it looks chaotic. The world doesn't appreciate who we are and what we do, but there's very much rules to this. Does not seek its own. We're trying to do something that blesses the community. It's not provoked. It's not evil. Does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Here it is, church, in Douglas Park, we learn to bear all things, believe all things, to hope all things, and endure all things. And even though we, we weren't quoting scripture, we applied the principle, and watch this, church, when you apply the principle, uh, it still works. Love still never failed us. It never failed. Because we applied the principle. When we say as a people, as a church, as a family, that it's all love, it's all love, y'all. It is saying that we're going to give love a chance. We're going to allow love to do its work first in us. And then in the community and the objective. Love reveals the truth and it never fails. I'm going to turn toward home now. But we got to get there. If we don't establish it, all bets are off. There's no dice unless we come into community and harmony around this principle. So we have to get the situation to love. We have to get the crisis to love. We have to work our way there because the devil works to keep us from getting to this place of love. If they get to love, they'll greet the benefits of love because love, the devil knows, never fails. We have to get the disagreement to love. We have to get the family to love. Just take the marriage back to love. Somehow get the relationship to love. And today, we are called to bring the church to love. We must love the agenda. We're called to love the big thing. We must love the end thing that God is doing at Common Ground Northeast more than we love who we are and where we are. We must see ourselves in the new thing, in the blended church, in the culturally diverse church, the diverse perspective church. We must love our there more than we love our here. Here it is, church, here it is, church. Uh, 2019, uh, Lori and I, our middle son, Christopher, he graduated from Indiana University. Uh, he got a job in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, he, he brought this, this car, this Tesla, this, this car that don't take no gasoline or whatever. <laughs> and, and, then, and then he changed jobs, and he had this, this new Tesla, and, and then he, he got a job in Los Angeles, California. So, so he lived in Atlanta, Georgia, and, and he got to get to Los Angeles, California, he decides to pack everything in this Tesla and, and he gonna drive this Tesla 
from, from, from Atlanta, Georgia to Los Angeles, California. So I got on the phone with him. I said, man, let's, let's add this up. Like, that's a long trip. That's an impossible trip in a Tesla, man. Because here's the problem that you got. It only goes so far on a charge. And the further east you are, there are fewer charging stations. You got to drive out of your way to find a charging station. Now, the closer you get to California, you're going to find more charging stations. But it takes too long to charge the car. <laughs> So what we concluded was that, man, the, the extra time and energy you're going to put in trying to drive a Tesla, where it is right now, not, not next year, not, not years from now, it's going to get better. But in 2021, driving a Tesla from Atlanta, Georgia to Los Angeles, California, bro, let's put this on somebody's truck. Let's ship this. You need to fly out to California. Because what, what I'm saying is you got the wrong vehicle to make this long of a drive. He was trying to do it with the wrong vehicle. Y'all, what I understand about what God has called us to go at Common Ground Northeast, we need the right vehicle to make this journey, to make this destination. The writer said he's clear. He, he, he's clear. He, he, he says, there are a lot of vehicles that you might try to use to accomplish certain objectives. And some of them seem so reasonable. The writer says, you might use tongues. Tongues are good, but not for this journey. You might use prophecy, mysteries, knowledge, revelation, faith. Who could argue with faith? Faith, surely faith would get us there. Knowledge. The writer says, all of that is good, but they're not in and of themselves good enough to get us where God is calling the church. There's only one vehicle that'll get us where we're trying to go. Y'all, we got to use love. We got to use love. The Bible said it would profit us very little. It's all love is a sacred space. It is a spiritual agreement. It is a unilateral agreement. And God says, I'm going to give you the one thing that everybody can use because everybody can show love and everybody can agree to love. So as I close, let me give you the six components of the It's All Love Pact. Number one, when I tell you it's all love, it's an admission. You got those words for me? It's an admission. I'm telling you that you are not significant and I need you. It's all love. The only reason I would say that to you is because I think you're viable. I think you are significant. I think that you matter. And in fact, I know that you're important. And whatever God has called us to do, because it, there's five people on the other team, and, 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 and we got to have five too. And so, so, so if you're a fifth person, we, we can't do four on five. Everybody on our team is important. And so it's all love, y'all. And the reason I would say that to you is because I know that I cannot get there by myself. So one, it's an admission that I need you. Two, I agree with the arrangements. I believe that the fact that you are here, and somehow I came to the park and you ended up on my team, I don't fight that. I think, in fact, that perhaps that's even divinely arranged. There is no question 
to me that everybody that God put at Common Ground Northeast is important. Nobody can be here by accident. I don't fight your selection by God. I don't fight your presence. I don't fight the fact that God had you here just like he has me here. I get past that. And not to work together is not to acknowledge the divine selection of God. Somehow, God put us on the same team. We're not just in the same place at the same time. We're on the same team. And it is this arrangement that has us working toward the same goal. Number two, the arrangement I respect. When I tell you it's all love, I respect that you are here. I love that you are here. Number three, it's all love is my way of giving you an allotment. I'm extending to you something. It's all love says I'm making room for you. Y'all know in the Bible the word Rehoboth, the place where God has made room for us. I'm making room for you. I'm making an allowance for you. I'm making an allotment for you. You here, it's all good. Let me tell you how much room I'm making for you. You get grace to mess up. You can get it wrong. I got room for you. I got love for you. If I tell you that it's all love, you don't have to be perfect. If it's all love, you can have shortcomings. If it's all love, you get to slip and slip up. Now, you can't jump, and you can't trip and trip nobody, but you can surely slip. You cannot be able to dribble and shoot, and I got you. Also, you get to be good and use what God has called, given you, and I'm counting on that. I'm going to give you room to do your thing. I'm going to let you go one-on-one. I'm going to go over in the corner and let you take your man one-on-one because in the park, that's, 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 we love that. Go do your thing. Go show what you got. Go be who God has called you to be. I'm going to stand in the corner and I'm going to cheer for me. I'm still in the game. I ain't on the bench, but I'm going to let you do your thing because it's all love. Number four, this is an agreement. This is a contract. When I tell you it's all love, I just made a contract with you. We're in contract together. I just signed on the dotted line. I'm down with you, right? And so there's no way, though, that, that we can do this without following one another. It's impossible to blend a church culturally in all the different places that we come from without there being offenses. And so here's what we would do in the park. Here's what we would do in the park. We, by the way, we don't shoot free throws, right? Like if somebody fires, you just take it out. So there's no, but here we have an agreement. Like, man, you can't call every foul, okay? So we say, you can't call the weak stuff. Now, now, are you bleeding? Well, then didn't nobody fire you. Come on, let's go. There are certain things you just got to be able to take that, man. We can't stop the game for all that what Dick Vitale would call ticky-tacky stuff. Well, come on, man. We grown out here. We, come on, everybody sees the objective. We're not calling that. 
because you got to be able to handle that. You should, you should just be able to handle that. You shouldn't even bring that up. You shouldn't stop the game for that. Somebody, come on, man, you got bumped. Come on, man, don't stop the game for that. We're going places here. But if it's major, if it's agreeable, just stop the game. We'll consider that. But fouling is generally a part of the process. Conflict is generally part of the process. Number five, there is an inherent apology that you don't always have to tell me you're sorry. If, if I know that we agree to do the same thing and go the same place, if it's all love and we all agree with that, then I know you don't do it on purpose and it's all good. There's an inherent apology. And number six, it is the atmosphere in which we can complete the assignment. I'm gonna finish here. I've been here a year and I was praying. I love what we're trying to do. I'm a thousand percent in on this. What I realized, and I, and I was, I was sleeping in December and Pastor Ian, I talked about this, and I, and I had a dream that I was in front of the church teaching, it's all love. And what I realized is, I'm not sure that we have the vehicle to go where we want to go because the road that we traveled Conflict is a very uh, innate part of this road. There's no way to avoid conflict. There's no way not to be fouled. If you go to Common Ground Northeast and you try to blend cultures and the devil that we fight uh, doesn't want us to blend culture, it's just impossible not to foul somebody. Right? But we got to figure out, hey, man, it's all love. It's all love. And if you know you love me, and if I know we have the same there, you can find me. It's all good. But more than it's all good, man, it's all love. I expect it. And I ain't going to call all of them either. Just why? I'll stop the game for that. God sent Jesus knowing that not everyone will receive him, but God concluded, it's all love. For God so loved the world, right, (laughs) that he gave his only begotten son. What did God say? It's all love. I know not everybody will receive him, but it's all love. Jesus gave his life because knowing not everyone would take advantage of the blood he shed. But he got on the cross, the Bible said, greater love hath no man than this, Because Jesus thought it's all love. You and I didn't deserve it, but he did it because it's all love. As a church, I think that we need a vehicle. We've been around here for a while now. We could try goodwill. We could try vision. We could try revelation, the banquet table. All of those are good. We could try education. We could try wisdom. We could try the road of resource and research. But we will only win with love. And so we spend a month talking about turning it up. And the main thing I think that we need to turn up is our love. I hope that we could adopt a mantra that says at Common Ground Northeast, and it's all love. It's all love here. 
here's the deal, if we're gonna get there, we're gonna have to do it like we did it in the park. We can't play nice, cause what we're trying to get ain't nice. We're gonna have to go all in, and then everybody's gotta be all in, and then we're gonna have to go all out. And that is the only way we're gonna get where God has called this church. Come on, everybody, let's give God praise for that. Brother, I want to pray over us, man, but we, that's kind of what we understand yeah. as we, we come from different places, do different things, see it differently. Um, a lot of what Pastor Eric and I do, um, you have to have that language, and he'll speak to this next week. I'm just going to pray over the church. Y'all, it's all up. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this time of sharing with my brothers and sisters. God, you've given the church a vehicle. In 1 Corinthians 13, you just said, use love. There's a lot of other things you could use, but at the end of the day, if love is not a part of it, it will fail. And the word says it will be nothing. And now, God, I pray that as we look to incorporate love in my culture, we have a way of, of doing it not post an offense, but it is a preamble. It is something that we agree to going into any venture. We just tell one another, it's all love. Help us to give and be the church that understands. Yo, it's all love. 